What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the NerdWide Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Haynes, with my good friend and the one, Chris Rivers. How are you, sir? Doing good. How are you doing? Don't know, right? I've been f- hang- having a headache all day long, and yeah. it's not a hangover. I don't know what it's from. I'm sure it's just the abnormal amount of pollen and allergies we have here in Tennessee. But yeah. it's been an all-day thing, and I have no earthly idea why. I haven't been outside yesterday, um, which I was hungover a little bit yesterday morning. But that's because I went to a drinking event Friday evening. That I didn't get home till midnight, but it was fine. Other than that, the week's been a crazy, hectic. I've been real busy. I, like I was telling you in the pre-show, I haven't really, before the show, I haven't really done a whole bunch of watching of things. I've played a lot of more Kingdom Hearts with the the Littlest, and we're so close to beating that. We're one world away from beating the first game. And other than that, that's I haven't really had a whole lot of video game time for myself. But that's going to change this weekend, though, with Jedi uh, Survivor coming out. So, ooh, I can't yeah, wait. Yeah, we've, uh, we've started overtime at oh. work. So. Did they say what for, or...? No, it's just, you know, we've got a lot of stuff, so we need to work overtime. and uh, That's kind of cutting into some of my normal time. I don't like it. Yeah. I'm going to have to quit that stuff. So it's, yeah. it's the opposite it. of my work. They said, we need you all need to stop being in overtime. So whatever you got to do. And I'm like, okay. So, well. <laughs> you know, I'll uh, do my best. We'll see. <laughs> that's simple. Right. You know, it just, uh, just depends on how many people you admit to the hospital. Uh, quick housekeeping before we get into it, because we have a really exciting Titans episode I can't wait to pick Chris's brain about. Uh-oh. Don't forget to subscribe to our either our YouTube or podcasting service of your choice. If you enjoy the show, make sure you leave us a thumbs up on YouTube or give us a good rating on whatever podcasting app you use. If you don't enjoy what you see or hear, make sure you leave us a comment down below and know how we can fix it or your suggestions, things like that. We can't fix anything if we don't know it's broken, so make sure you leave us a comment down below so we can fix it. If you want to do more, you can always go to patreon.com slash nerdwide. Three different tiers for three different monetary values, each increasing in monthly um, subscriptions fee. I think capping out at $7 or still $7 or $5. But a whole lot of goodies that way if you want to suggest shows, movies, TV, uh, comics, books, any of that kind of nature, games, that is how you do it. And that is where the suggestions for that can go. And we give you a shout out and you get early access to all of our episodes if you want to go that route. But Chris, have you been watching any fun TV this week? Um, two episodes away from finishing season one of Quantum Leap. Mm. Um, or as Tyler calls it, the show with the sexy scientist. Yes, the sexy scientist that makes no sense show. Um, I, I just remembered, I know I said something in the pre-show, I'm watching a lot of TV show, TV, but I finished Jack Ryan season three, which I was only down two episodes. So it wasn't a whole lot, um, been trying to catch up on flash, but we discovered before we started recording, I'm not caught up on it. I am three episodes away. Um, they skipped last week as well as Superman and Lois and Gotham. So unfortunately, ladies and gentlemen, you're not going to get those recaps this week because they skipped a week, which one week we can do. Multiple, I don't like. They're, they need to fix those things. But we will see how it comes out from that. And we still don't understand why the CW just said no on their shows this week. I couldn't figure anything out. The only thing I can think of is they had a certain date in mind for mm. the finales. And... They've got to take a week or two off here or there to that makes make sense. that work. I could see that. Um, I'm trying to think. Anything crazy else I've been watching? Nope. I, I don't. Not a big TV week this week. I'm trying to think. Is there? I, it's just blocking my mind. No, I have not. So we will see. Um, but Chris, I'm ready to talk about it if you are. <clears throat> Titans. Spoiler filled season four, episode eight, titled Dude, Where's My Gar? Of course, can I just say real quick? Yes, wasn't a fan of the way it started off. No, loved how it finished. They it was one of those that started off on a low, and then as each minute went by, it kept getting better and better and better, and made a lot more sense of why they went that route. I feel like, 
Um, which is, I'm okay with. I'm okay with starting off slow and then ending strong. As far as the adverse of starting strong and then just ending terribly, but yeah. which this one was fully focused on Gar. A lot of fun things in here. Uh, directed by Eric Dean Seaton. Again, listen. I'm going to go ahead and say this. If you have not seen this episode of Titans, pause us now, watch it, and then come back because we are. There's a lot of fun things at the end that I know you and I have talked about personally for a while. So uh, now's the time to pause it. Okay, and you're back. All right. Directed by Eric Dean Seaton, found out, uh, directed a lot, a lot of Disney Channel shows, like a lot from 2003, and he's still doing it, directing a lot of episodes. Um, and then this one was actually screenplay by Jeff Johns, our um, executive creator, producer for the DC right now. And uh, Eric Potter, not Eric Potter. Oh, that's going to bug me. Hold on. The guy who plays Gar, he, him and Jeff Johns actually wrote this one together, which is phenomenal, if you ask me. If you give me a second, I want to make sure I get his name right. If you wouldn't have asked me, Ryan Potter. So Jeff Johns and Ryan Potter, explain that. Because that is a, a big time uh, combo there. But let's get into yep. this episode. High on Films by Madev Metro, uh, Marotra again. After sitting out the first two episodes upon Titan's return, Gar, uh, Logan slash Beast Boy returns to the forefront in this latest episode. The episode commences with a flashback where a young Garfield is shown sitting alone in a zoo. A zookeeper approaches him and Garfield implores her to stay with him as he is too frightened to be by himself. In an attempt to console him, the zookeeper assures him that she will, not, she will attempt to locate his parents that he will return soon. While sitting alone, Garfield begins to receive signals from a chimpanzee who appears to be distressed, and it becomes apparent that he shares a profound connection with the animal kingdom. Suddenly, a red vortex envelops Gar, and he reappears as an adult, hearing the voices of his friends calling his name. Garfield wakes up in a cavern and is startled to discover a weird hybrid creature standing before him. A mysterious African man sporting a peculiar, peculiar helmet materializes in front of him and reveals that the creature is his creation and loyal friend. Which, it's a nice callback because... We see how he makes those creatures at the, towards the end of the episode. Before embarking on his quest against Brother Blood and Mother, May- Mother Mayhem, Garfield had encountered this individual who mysteriously alluded to Gar's link with the Red. It transpires that Gar had accessed this connection when Sebastian's parent powers had almost obliter- obliterated him, and he had guided the team to safety by utilizing the power of the Red. It was during this time in the red that the mysterious figure professes to have extracted Gar from the realm, depositing him in the cavern atop Mount Kilimanjaro, where they are both currently located. The individual introduces himself as Dominic Mdawe, um, also known as Freedom Beast, a defender of the red akin to Gar. Following the acquisition of the Helm of the Beast from its predecessor, Dominic underwent a complete transformation into Freedom Beast. The Helm granted Dominic superhuman physical attributes, longevity, and the ability to merge two desperate creatures to form a powerful hybrid. Dominic notes that the Beast's legends dates back to ancient times and that there have been guardians of various life forms in every era. Gar inquires about the Red and learns that it is a metaphysical realm that connects and permeates all life forms throughout the universe, including other universes. Dominic states that Gar is destined to become the protector of the Red and possesses the strongest link with it. As they converse, a squad of unknown soldiers ambushes them, who Dominic easily vanquishes. Garfield implores Dominic to send him back to the Titans, grown increasingly worried about his team. But Dominic insists, instead seeks his assistance. He presents Gar with a vision he witnessed earlier, depicting a chimpanzee undergoing agonizing experimentation while still awake and conscious. Dominic also discloses a personal connection to the situation. Garfield lost his parents to the Sakutia, or Sakusha, also known as the Green Plague. Despite contract, uh, contracting the disease himself, he was saved by Niles Calder, a.k.a. Chief, who, if we all know, is the founder of the Doom Patrol, which is Gar's first adopted family. I thought that was a nice little name drop in there, because let yeah. him know it's still connected. Uh, Dominic reveals that he lost his sister and her children to the same disease, which is caused by a re-engineered virus disseminated from the same facility where the chimpanzee was subjected to experimentation. Dominic intends it is their sacred obligation to liberate the imprisoned creatures and destroy the facility. Before commencing their mission, Dominic instructs Garfield to consume a mysterious potion that would enable him to harness this link with the red without impediment. Which I was like, okay, this guy, I don't know if I trust him yet. This could be poison. What's going on here? Right. 
After drinking it, Gar undergoes several immersive visions. He encounters Rachel, who emphasizes the significance of him finding his own path after a lifetime of following others, such as Chief and now Dick Grayson. He also encounters Jinx, who has passed away um, after the course of the episode of the part one finale. Um, and she imparts to him the notion of the interconnectedness of all life, which the red is. Finally, he revisits the recollection of his recollection of his childhood when he was separated from his parents at the zoo and sees his younger self alone on the bench. I thought the whole Jinx thing was crazy because she kind of implies that she's coming back to life and uh -huh. that she has died multiple times. And she's like, ah, you know, I'm used to this and I'll be back. I'm like, all right, you know, one of those, no one really dies until they're dead, I guess. <laughs> After experiencing the visions, Gar is ready to embark on the mission, and Dominic escorts him to the facility. Despite wreaking havoc on the security, they discover that they have arrived too late, as all the creatures except one have already died. The lone survivor is Dominic's chimpanzee friend, who has intentionally contracted anthrax as a test subject and is currently dying. Due to the highly contagious nature of anthrax, they cannot risk taking her outside, which would endanger other animals. Therefore, they are left with no choice but to leave her, uh, her to her inevitable, inevitable demise. However, Dominic has his revenge on the chief scientist responsible for the heinous experiment by merging him with the chimpanzee, transforming him into a human-ape hybrid, and causing their deaths. Now, this is where things get real crazy and are a lot of fun, so buckle in, everybody. Dominic notes that the scientist was merely following orders and together they searched the facility for clues about the mastermind behind the experiment. To their surprise, they discovered that it was none other than Niles Calder, a.k.a. Chief, who had also deliberately unleashed Secutia. Suddenly, the Red transport them to the exact location, but at a different time period. Dominic reveals that all the events Guard experienced up to this point were shown to him through the Red. They had taken place in the past when Dominic had shut down the facility alone, and Guard comes to the shocking realization that the man who saved his life had been responsible for his parents' death. Like, if that is not the Niles Calder stuff, I don't know what is. Like, if that's not classic MO for him, it's, mm -hmm. I mean, it, everyone should have saw this one coming at this point. I didn't, but it just like when they revealed it, I was like, yeah, okay, that tracks and makes sense here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, Gar tearfully asks Dominic why he didn't just tell him about Niles' role in the parents' death instead of making him relive the tragic discovery. Dominic explains that he needed Gar to realize for himself the unnecessary and destructive elements in his life, such as Niles and the Titans. Dominic urges Gar to take up his rightful place as the protector of the Red, allowing Dominic to retire. However, Gar argues that his friends need him and that he cannot abandon them. He believes that his responsibility as a champion of the Red is to protect all living things, including those he loves, and he will not abandon them. Gar uses the Red to travel back to his childhood memory at the zoo and comforts his younger self by telling him that he will never be alone in his life. As Gar embraces his younger self, time freezes and he is transported directly into the Red. Here, he witnesses the vast interconnectedness of all of life, that's a big word, uh, firsthand. The sequence that follows reveals the existence of different universes that can be accessed through the red. Yeah, this is where it gets really good. Gar harnesses the cosmic power of the red, enabling him to access various multiverses. We catch a glimpse of alternate worlds featuring superheroes as the CW's Flash, Stargirl, and even the DCEU shazam similar to the green the red is a formidable force and we even catch a glimpse of the swamp thing as gar gazes into the red he witnesses an animated version of himself as beast boy from teen titans go on a tv in another universe he also hears voices from other universes including harley quinn animated series the joker dr fate and jonathan kent Eventually, Dominic reappears before him, silently acknowledging that Gar is now ready to assume his responsibilities. Gar then begins to fall rapidly, and he finds himself in the Doom Manor, where he crashes and is discovered unconscious by Victor Stone, a cyborg. Although not confirmed, this is the wrong universe for our Gar. Yeah. Well, yeah, because cyborg... Yeah, it's actually is a cyborg. cyborg. <laughs> and the room's got like a bunch of... Um, I don't know, it's like an, uh, a jungle theme kind of going on. Yeah. yeah. But that last little sequence, I was not expecting whatsoever. And I saw the flash happen, and I was like, oh my god, okay, awesome. And so this is where we're going to get our little crossover thing. Um, and then he gets transported into Stargirl, and that's when I texted you, holy shit, Chris. <laughs> Just all caps, that's all I said. And well, then... 
Did I say Titans on that one too? I might have, but it was um, it was interesting because he's in the red and he says, "My favorite color is green." Yeah, and everything starts to turn green, and then you get the the uh, the lightning, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. The the electricity of the flash. Well, see, I saw that. I was like, nah, "There's wow. no way that they're doing the flash on that." Because that looks like the, again, I watched a lot of episodes of Flash this week, and I saw that. And I said. Oh, okay, it is. I was expecting a little bit more, maybe an interaction between yeah. the two on this one, but we didn't get that. But the one we did get was Stargirl, and we had talked about, it had to be last year. I think maybe it was September, October, November, right during that range. They came out and said that there was going to be a crossover with Doom Patrol, Stargirl, and um, Titans, and we've been waiting for that. We didn't get that in part one of Doom Patrol or Titans, and honestly, I kind of forgot about it until this happened. I was like, oh, okay. But it's less of a crossover than I kind of wanted. Right. So far. Well, so far. Yes, so far. Uh, but seeing Courtney as um, Stargirl again was really cool. And it was very funny, the reaction between them two. This episode was really, really well done, though. Because like he to access the red, he just essentially yells. And, well, I guess with the intent of something. So when he turned in, um, he said, take me back or something like that. And Corey said, who are you talking to? And then he screams it. And then, like, the visual effects get really cool and he transports them back in. And then we see, like, because I, I watched everything with closed captions on. And so I could see the voices before I could see the uh, the images that happened. Because some of the, like, yeah. they're kind of, like, being behind, mysterious with it. But then it had Shazam, um... Had Shazam saying Shazam, I said no. I said no way. And sure enough, there was Shazam from the first movie just flying through. And I said, oh, that is awesome. And then we see uh, Swamp Thing. I mean, they had, I feel like they had everything from all their projects into this. Um, Harley yeah. Quinn, uh, Doctor Fate. You could hear, couldn't see. Who was the one guy that was talking to him directly? I didn't. Rec- I didn't recognize who that was. That's yeah. I I blanked on that too. So I don't know if that was tied to. One of their other shows. Well, that is what we're going to find out because I I couldn't tell. It looked like, like a little bit older, so I don't really know. It, like older but remastered. Uh, Easter eggs because that's where the the best thing is. Yeah. Uh, all right. Thirteen DC movie and TV cameos. I'm going to Screen Rant, so this could be uh, the Flash of Earth Prime, Star Girl, Swamp Thing, DCEU Shazam. Grant Morrison is who that was. Uh, the next portal opens up the library. The figure sketch pad turns around. They're basically surprised. Telling Beast Boy, I can see you. The figure then smiles and asks Beast Boy, can you see me? While this sharp-dressed character might appear to be a variant, Lex Luthor is writer Grant Morrison. Morrison has a prolific career in comics with a lengthy run of JLA, Batman, and X-Men, winning multiple awards. Morrison's cameo here is noticeable as they are the creator of The Red. Introducing the idea of the mystic force connecting all animal life compared to the green from Swamp Thing. During the run on Animal Man, huh? That's, that's cool. So that is awesome. I, yeah. That that makes me love this episode even more, just because that they said, "Hey, let's let's uh, record you doing this real quick," and it's him, his creation. Damn, that is awesome. Okay, that says a bonus Easter egg. The sketch Morrison is drawing seems to be a rough draft of the map in the multiverse for Morrison's story, the Multiversity, which developed the modern DC Comics multiverse. Hmm. Uh, Teen Titans Go Beast Boy Kaylee Cuoco uh, is Harley Quinn a pair of Jokers Harley's shout is answered by two maniacal laughs one overlapping each other the first belongs to Arthur Fleck the unfortunate party clown aspiring comedian played by Joaquin Phoenix and Joker the second belongs to Jack Napier the hitman turned fully functional homicidal artist who played in the 1989 Batman movie oh so Dr. Fate from Smallville was the other one the cacophony of mad laughter quickly fades, replaced by a firmer voice. This voice belongs to, uh, to uh, speaks to Beast Boy, telling him that your fate is utterly binding. This voice belongs to Doctor Fate of Earth One Six Seven, who spoke the same words to a young Clark Kent in Smallville Season Nine. Um, Jonathan Kent from Superman the Movie. Another voice speaks to the confused Beast Boy. The voice reassures him: "The one thing I do know, son." And that is you are here for a reason. Superman fans will recognize the voice actor of Jonathan Kent of Earth-96, who gave him the same advice to young Clark Kent just before his death in Superman the movie. 
another laugh breaks through the rush of the sound. An unseen figure introduces himself to the people of Gotham City as the Joker. The voice uh, will be instantly recognized by fans of the 1966 Batman television series, a.k.a. Earth 66, is actor Cesar Romero. And then Cyborg from Doom Patrol. That's awesome. Yeah. Like, wow. I mean, that was just a phenomenal episode. And not just from the multiverse aspect of it all, which is great and wonderful, but I feel like as a Gar episode, <laughs> which I feel like we were kind of in, in due need of a one, this was really well done and focused just on Gar and his history, what he's feeling, what he's going through, and how much more of an important role he plays as not just as a Titan, you know, because Dick Grayson, we've got as Robin, he had that whole thing before he became Nightwing. Gar, we saw as in Doom Patrol, like the first like crossover episode they had to introduce Doom Patrol. But that was it. And he's just been kind of, not really a side character, but he's always been playing off of somebody, playing off of um, Connor, playing off of Rachel. And I feel like this was a, a very good episode for him. And she pops up briefly. Yes. Well, so. So. But I, what a great, great episode. And should have happened a lot sooner, I think, personally. But yeah. I feel like they're doing their due diligence to say, hey, we're finishing this off and we're going to give every character what they need. And so yeah, far, we're just, doing good. It's too bad that it takes series ending for them to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, so. But I mean, it's, it's great that Jeff Johns and Ryan Potter did this one together. Like, I just. Mm-hmm. When I Googled it and tried to find... Well, I was waiting to see the... I wanted to see if I missed any cameos. And I was looking for like um, special appearances by and stuff like that. And then when it said teleplay by Jeff Johns and Ryan Potter, I said, holy shit. Okay. Good for them. So. But that is our only episode this week. We have... That was episode eight. Do we have two more episodes? That's it? I think so. Yeah. Oh. That sucks. So... Hmm. I think it's two. Yeah. Mm-mm-mm. All right. Uh, notable news. Of course, this is the news for the past three weeks. We took two weeks off due to, uh, well, essentially a week off due to Easter. So here is a bunch of news we've got working on here. Um, one I want to do before the other one, but we'll get there. Superman and Lois and Gotham Knights finales will air June 27th. So, Chris, that is two months from now. So, and uh, they have how many episodes left? I, I so, don't know what I'm trying. I'm hoping it's not. Uh, I forget because IMDb has like Superman with eight or ten episodes, and we've already done season episode six or episode five. So I guess we're about halfway through then. So hmm. that means at roughly eight weeks to air five episodes. If that's hopefully there's more, but IMDb has it as ten episodes. So there'll be at least two more dead weeks. Mm, actually, you know, I can even Google this by doing Gotham Knights uh, wiki. I think they have like 14 episodes or something. It looks like they are eight is all I've got listed. Huh? Yeah, so Total? That, yeah, that's what this is what Wikipedia is. And I guess they okay, so they only update it when they have like the title of the episodes. Because the last one is Belly of the Beast and it's May 9th. 2023 so okay so we don't know those yet um unfortunately national treasure edge of history canceled after one season that's it i'm canceling my disney plus subscription yeah okay <laughs> miss out all the mcu content <laughs> um that sucks it does it you know must not hit maybe. the numbers they wanted Maybe we get a movie. Ooh, see? Get a movie. Charge it all. Um, you know, empty the... What am I trying to say? Close it all up. Close all the storylines up. We'll see. I mean, I knew it was... I felt like it was one of those will it, won't they kind of things. Unfortunately, maybe they'll... Uh, it, 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 maybe they'll decide, hey, let's make a movie and close off that little cliffhanger ending that we had. And then the movie will blow up. And they'll be like, eh, maybe we yeah, can bring we'll, back the we'll TV show. We can do another show. one. We can bring back another yeah. one. And push towards the TV show. All right. We have been talking about this amongst ourselves, and I want to know, Chris. Another news item here, number three. New spinoff 
from the Big Bang Theory is in the works at Max. Of course, I am using Max instead of HBO Max because that is what they want to be called now since they merged the Discovery. Not oh. HBO Max, just Max. So I hope you've got your subscription to Max. Maximum pain in the <laughs> right. Butt. So, uh, but Chris, I want to know, as someone who has seen every episode of Big Bang Theory and every episode of Young Sheldon, what do you think it will be? I don't. I mean, the article that I initially read that talked about possibilities. They had one good idea. They had was you could center it around. Um, Stewart at the comic book store. That would and, be a good one. And that would allow the old gang to drop in here and there, but you could have a whole new cast of characters. I kind of would like to see if if they if they don't use the same characters and actors. Let's see their kids mm. a few years down the road. Uh, I think it'd be funny if for all of his talk about um how his his kid would be brilliant if Sheldon and Amy's kid turned out more like Penny, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. Um, and it again, it still sets you up to have the same group back. They could give Raj his own show, yeah. um, based on how his storyline wrapped. I don't think you're gonna get um, Leonard and Penny no. to come back and do their own show. I don't think. I don't think Jim Parsons as Sheldon comes back to do his own show. I think it'll be harder for them, especially uh, uh, was it Kaylee Kukwo? Kukwo? Uh-huh. Kukwo? I think it'd be Kukwo. harder for her because she's still doing things. Like yeah. uh, more than the, I recognize everybody else. Now mine, I would love to see a Howard and Bernadette like sitcom, their household. You know, like maybe they move somewhere. Um, because again, I'm not done with the show yet, so I don't really know where they end up. But from where I'm at right now, uh, she's pregnant with another baby. So I mean, as far as I know, they'll have two kids, and they'll just be kind of like a nice little maybe a time jump, and they move somewhere else and raise their kids, stuff like that. Again, the gang can still stop by every now and then, but I think that'd be a fun show. Um, I, I, she, I really like the Stewart thing now. <laughs> now, now she's on Night Court now. You know, oh, they, rebooted, they, they rebooted Night Court. So that's and, not going to work then. I mean, it depends on how many episodes they do. Mm. She, she does, say, 15 episodes of that a season, 20, and then 15 or so of this spinoff. I feel like this one, you can, this, these spinoffs and like sitcoms, you can probably bang out a whole lot of them within like a short yeah. period of time because it's not a whole lot of... I mean, they're not long episodes. They've got 20 minutes of doing something, and you're not in every single scene either. So, right. oh, I'm, I'm I'm curious though, and and they could do prequels to some of these. I hope not, because I just don't like Young Sheldon. I don't know if I'm going to watch. It depends on how hard you push me on it, as far as, as if it's good or not. But like a young Leonard, I don't think I'd be that interested because his mom was an ass. Yeah, and so I don't know how that could be appealing at all. Penny's um, childhood could probably be. Penny's childhood could be a good one. I do a uh, her high school or something yeah. like that, leading up to to the apartment that that could work. Uh, I'm curious. Like I, I would like at least one of our main cast from Big Bang Theory as the main character in the spinoff, and I feel like that would work really well. Or yeah. whoever the geologist guy is. I forget his name. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> He'd be fun. Oh, what was his character's name? And I'm watching. I just finished the episode. The last episode I finished with him, uh, he's not letting Sheldon work on the project with him. Uh, let's see. That's going to bug me. Yeah. Uh, Leonard Howard, Bernadette. Okay, I can see the... Let me go to the last episode. It is the geology mythology. Bert. Bert. Yep. Bert and Ernie. <laughs> I, could, I, I could remember Kripke. I could remember all these other characters. All the other I ones. I wasn't remembering Bert. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, so I don't know. It's, it's fun. Let us know down in the comments who you think or what you think the sequel or spinoff is going to be. Um, or if you even think we need another spinoff. Obviously, I'm, Max thinks we do, and I'm okay with it. Because it'll be exclusively I'm, on Max. It won't be on CBS this time. I think my two, if I could pick two that I'd like to see, uh, one would be the comic book store idea. Mm -hmm. And then the other would be maybe a flash forward where we get all their kids. Yeah. And maybe they've all kept in touch so their kids grew up around one another. So now Do they're... it like a, that 90s show style. Yeah. And um, yeah. played off that way. That would work, actually. I'd be okay with that. All right. A little bit more somber news. And this is a, going to be a longer news story. This is going to be like our big topic, topic of the show for this one. Um, I didn't even know this was happening until Chris mentioned it. And then I saw some of the other writers I follow on Twitter talking about it. Um, and authors and things like that. Writer strike is possibly imminent. And this is everything we know. And I'm going to USA Today, which is not a website we usually do anything with on this show. Um, but this is by Kelly Lawler. And so bear with me. This is everything we know, what it means, what's going on. And this is going to be a longer discussion. So bear with us. Here we go. For 100 days in 2007 and 2008, the Writers Guild of America, the union representing most of Hollywood scribes behind your favorite TV shows and films, went on strike, which brought the whole entertainment industry to a halt. Late-night comedians had no jokes for their monologues. Movie stars had no lines to read on set. Reality and foreign TV shows, not represented by the union, ruled the airwaves, and it all could again happen again on May 1st. That's because the WGA's contract with the major Hollywood studios is expiring and negotiations between the Guild and Alliance of Motion, Motion Picture and Television Producers, which bargains on behalf of the nine largest studios, don't seem as if they're headed towards an agreement. The WGA just voted to authorize a strike if a contract is not reached by the deadline. That means that writers of everything from network series like CBS's NCIS to Marvel movies to streaming series including Netflix's Stranger Things could leave their desks and hit the picket lines for the, next, for the first time in 15 years. Hollywood has changed significantly since 2008, led by the rise of streaming services. This has upended the traditional pay structure in the industry and, as the WGA argues, has led more writers to work harder and longer for less pay. Uh, streaming series can take longer to make but result in fewer episodes and therefore often less pay for writers. At the same time, entertainment conglomerates are seeing financial losses and cutting jobs and shelving TV shows, movies, left and right. Will a writer strike happen? Talks between the WGA and the AMPTP began March 20th and thus far have not resulted in a contract. Again, this article was wrote, wrote on April 13th. Oh, so this is, uh, no, it's updated April 20th. So this is only three days old. Uh, on April 17th, the WGA announced that 97.85% of its members voted to authorize a strike if no deal is reached by May 1st. Uh, quote, writers are ready for a deal from the studios that allows writers to share in the success of the content they create and build a stable life, the tweet has uh, read. However, that is no guarantee that the Guild will strike. Writers vote to authorize a strike in 2017 during contract negotiations, but agreement was ultimately reached before that happened. Uh, what TV shows and movies will be affected by this one? If a strike happens, viewers will first notice the effects on late-night talk shows. Stephen Colbert, Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy Kimmel, and others depend on writers and producers' shows the day they air. So a strike would immediately force a shutdown. NBC's Saturday Night Live, which is three episodes scheduled for May, could also shut down for the remainder of the season. Reruns would fill those slots. Daytime soap operas also would run out of new episodes within a few weeks. Most broadcast shows, such as NBC's Law & Order and ABC's Abbott Elementary, will finish their seasons. Their finale episodes have already been written and filmed, but a prolonged strike could affect how long they assume they return in the fall. A handful, including NBC's Quantum Leap, are already producing episodes for next season in preparation for possible strike. That's... Uh, I don't know how I like that. You know, oh, we're already expecting a strike, so let's work harder and produce more episodes, so if it does happen, we're fine. Mm, that doesn't really set a good taste in my mouth on that one. Um, yeah. Streaming shows operate with the far longer lead times, meaning the delays caused by any work stoppage won't be felt for months, if not years. But it's uncertain whether actors would agree to film projects from already completed scripts during a strike. 
Movies have even a longer lag time, so titles set to release in 2024 and 2025 are most likely to be affected by a strike which will force delays. The longer our strike goes on, the more studios, streamers, and networks will draw programming from non-WGA sources, reality shows, and foreign TV. During the 2007-08 strike, there was a boom in reality shows that lasted long after the writers returned to work. I am guilty of doing watching those now, so, you know, maybe this won't be such a bad thing for some of these reality fans, if, especially if these writers get their monies due, and they should. Let's be honest, they should get their money. So what does the WGA want? Writers are primarily looking for more compensation, with many pointing to the rise of streaming as having a negative effect on their earnings. In TV, writers are often paid per episode, and where a broadcast series once produced 22 or 33 installments, oh, 22 or more installments each season, streaming series are more typically 8 to 13 episodes. Residuals or royalties, which earn writers, actors, and producers, money after TV shows debut when it airs or streams elsewhere, are lower for streaming shows than for broadcast shows that air reruns on cable or syndication. These lower minimums were established when streaming was in its infancy. In their pattern of demands, the Guild also asked studios to standardize compensation for screenwriting, regardless of whether a film was released theatrically or on streaming. That's good. And increase studio contributions to the pension plan and health fund. Uh, they tweeted, it says, over the past decade, the companies embraced business practices that slashed our compensation and undermined our working conditions. We are asking to restore writer pay and conditions to reflect our value to this industry. The survival of our profession is at stake. And then we'll end with this one. What do the studios want? The studios are approaching the negotiations with the long-term health and stability of the industry as our, as our priority. AMPTP said in a statement shortly before talks began. It has been shaky time in the industry. Entertainment conglomerates and streaming services are looking to bolster their bottom line, ratcheting back a spending spree on new content that has hurt profits. Many have reported losses to Wall Street in recent months and lay off thousands of employees. Most recently, Disney began laying off to 7,000 workers. So that is the situation. That is what's going down. Um, I'm team uh, uh, writers, WGA for this one. They... I mean, I'm right there with you. 2007, 2008 is a much different timeline uh, than where we are in 2023. Uh, streaming services are your big things for the most part. And I'm right there with you. Like, you shouldn't be getting paid less money just because you're making, like, less episodes for that. And they should be getting those royalties and compensation like they would if they were on a, a national network TV. And right. it sucks. I think the next thing is this coming Monday, right? For uh, April 24th for the next update on it. Yeah. So. Yeah. A, another thing I'm not sure about. I don't remember hearing it as you read that. Maybe I, maybe I missed it. A lot of these streaming shows, they don't get put out on physical media. Mm -mm. And I don't know. I don't know if the writers typically get a, a piece of that. They would have to, right? Because it's they'll still get like um, compensation, I think, and royalties from it. I would think so, but see, that's another thing. Not only are you doing fewer episodes, which affects how much you make, but then if they're not putting that out on physical media, then you're losing out there too. Um, that's my biggest thing. Cause there's a lot of shows, uh, MCU, for instance, that I you know every MCU movie I own, and same thing with the show. I would like to own that, but they don't have those. Right. Um, Last Kingdom. Uh, there's a whole a whole lot of shows that I watch that you can't get physical. Like they're all DVD. And I'm like, no, no, no. We live in a Blu-ray world now. Let's not. That's a whole other discussion. But I'm right there with yeah, you. That, that's a that's a difficult one in and of itself because the way the studios look at it and the networks, if the DVDs aren't going to sell, we're not going to put it out on Blu-ray. Right. So. I understand though, because it's like, well, it was filmed in high def. Yeah. I want it in high def. Well, we're we're moved past the DVD era at this point. But they still sell more than any other format. It blows my mind, and I don't know how because it's, everything I own, I don't think I can tell you the last time I bought a DVD. I don't. Yeah. I I think it's been decades or longer because I can't tell you the last time I bought a DVD. Yeah. But uh, we'll we'll see how it affects things if it does happen because I know. Even in cases where somebody could write their own material, like with some of the late night hosts, 
because they write, they're not gonna they're not gonna do that, Mm-mm. right? They're, so they're they're gonna shut down, even if they could write their own stuff. Um, so it's it's gonna affect it. Last time, last time good... we we lost a lot of good shows to that one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we almost. I think that was one of the years we almost lost Chuck, mm-hmm. if I remember yep. correct. He, uh, but but the the show survived it if if I remember correctly. They came, came back, back for two, one or three seasons, one or two more, yeah, yeah something like that. And then um, Heroes, we did lose because of it. Yeah, uh, which sucks because that was I feel like that was a show before his time. If that show came out now, that'd be a banger. Could you imagine that on like HBO or uh, or excuse me Max or like Hulu or something? Yeah, that show would kill now. Well, especially if NBC had let Tim Kring do what he wanted. To yes, do. but they didn't, and got what two, three seasons out of that, and we're done. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. It it's gonna suck if it happens. The good news is, based on the timing, it happens May one. They'll have maybe thirty, sixty days. For it not to affect the next TV season, I think I would feel like if you're going to strike like that, I would push it until then. But no, 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 you're messing with our wallets, so we're going to mess with your wallet, and which is essentially what it comes down to. But everyone just wants to make a decent living, and we're in 2023, and everybody should be making a good living. Yeah, but you know, it's for people smarter than me, I guess. Releases this week, Wednesday, April 26th, Star Wars Young Jedi Adventures Shorts, uh, Disney Plus, Thursday, April 27th, I might see if Stella watches those, April Thursday, Thursday, April 27th, Sweet Tooth Season 2 launches on Netflix, which I could get into the first season, so I'm going to be skipping that one, uh, oh. and that's all I've got. So it's time for movies. It is. Oh, that's it. <laughs> um, have you watched anything else movie-wise? We watched How to Train Your Dragon, the first one. Stella saw it on Netflix, so she just wanted to watch it. And it's one of my all-time favorite movies. Did you learn anything from it? Could you no, train I, I cried again. But, oh, yeah? But you know how that works. So it's just a great movie. And still have not seen the third one. Don't know why yet. But I need to find a Blu-ray with all three of them together on digital. Because Netflix only has the first movie and then the Netflix specials, which are just like 30-minute episodes. So I'm like, why don't you have the other two? Like, where? why is DreamWorks holding this up somewhere? It so, does have the other two. Are they on streaming? That's what. You know what? How to train. What about you? Oh, Do you, you watch anything, too? Uh, I watched The Maltese Falcon, 1941, Humphrey Bogart, Mary Astor, Peter Lorre, Sidney Greenstreet, on and on. Um Ward Bond is in that as well. Hmm. Uh, one of the all-time great film noirs. They just released it on 4K. Uh, comes with a 4K, a Blu-ray, and a digital code, which might find its way to you if you want it. Oh. Um, but phenomenal film. Uh, Bogey plays Sam Spade, a, a private eye, who um, gets pulled into this case. These people are looking for the Maltese Falcon and uh, people are dying in an effort for other people to get it. And so he has to try and survive as well as solve the case. Um, I'm going to leave it a little vague there, but it's definitely worth a watch. I'm not sure if it's on a streaming service, but it's, like I said, a brand new 4K release. It looks really good on 4K. Really? Yeah. Mm. So. Uh, How to Train Dragon 2 is on Hulu. The third one is not streaming anywhere. You still have to rent it. But that's crazy. Well, I guess it's a four-year-old movie, but you'd still think it'd be available to watch somewhere. You would think somebody would put them all on one platform. And... Yeah. Why would they be on all three? Anyways, because there's all so many different... Like It looks like Hulu's got their own series on there, too. It's set place 1,500 years after the third movie. So then Netflix has their own series and specials. That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> What do I know, though? I, I don't get it. Yeah. Everyone's right. their money. Our movie review for the week. 
this was this was a goodie. Yes. Uh, Tetris, and this came out actually just last month. Mm-hmm. Um, looks like it debuted at South by Southwest on March fifteenth, and then March thirty first. Just a couple, three weeks ago, it came out on Apple TV Plus, which is how we saw it. Yeah, it is. Stars uh, Mr. Egerton, who's still making a lot of quality, quality films. Anthony Boyle, Toby Jones is in this. Um, Sophia Lebedeva and Nikita Efremov are also in this. Um, here's the plot. In 1988, Hank Rogers of Bulletproof Software marks, markets his newest video game at the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas. While there, he instead becomes enamored with the game Tetris, created by Soviet programmer Alexei Pajitnov, who works for government-owned Elorg in the Soviet Union. Rogers explains to a bank manager that Robert Stein of Andromeda Software had obtained the worldwide licensing rights to Tetris from Elorg and signed a contract with media tycoon Robert Maxwell and his son, CEO of Mirrorsoft, Kevin Maxwell, allowing them to distribute Tetris in exchange for game royalties. Meanwhile, the Mirrorsoft representatives at CES had sold Rogers the Tetris rights in Japan for PC, console, and arcade. Rogers obtains an audience with Nintendo CEO Hiroshi Yamauchi, Yamauchi, I don't know why I said Yamuchi or Yamochi. <laughs> Yamauchi. And proposes a partnership to produce Tetris for Nintendo cartridges and arcade machines. Shortly after beginning production, Rogers receives a call from Kevin explaining the arcade rights had already been promised to Sega. Rogers returns to Yamauchi, asking for his residuals in advance. Instead, he's sent to Nintendo of America headquarters in Seattle and shown Nintendo's upcoming handheld device, the Game Boy which is planned to be released with Super Mario Land. Rogers convinces President Minoru Arakawa and Senior VP Howard Lincoln to package it with Tetris instead and promises to obtain the handheld licensing rights. He travels to meet with the Maxwells in London, who tell him that Stein retains all worldwide licensing rights. Rogers offers Stein 25000 for the worldwide handheld rights, which he seemingly accepts, Later, however, Arakawa and Lincoln call Rogers, explaining Stein has now promised the handheld rights to Atari for $100,000. Kevin learns about this, and while Stein promises to obtain the rights, both Kevin and Rogers decide to travel to Moscow to personally obtain them instead. Rogers, Stein, and Kevin each separately meet Valentin Trifonov, a head of the Soviet Ministry of Foreign Affairs and member of the Central Committee of the Communist Party, setting off a bidding war to obtain the handheld rights for Tetris while under the watchful eye of the KGB. And if you're familiar with Tetris, you probably have some idea as to how that works out. So we're going to... I didn't, I didn't know it. a lot of this, uh, the history of this movie. No, no. Um, it's, it's really interesting. There were points where I would, something would happen, and I would be like, "Did that really happen?" Right. And I would look it up, and it's like, "Yeah, that really sure happened. enough it did." <laughs> I was like, "I, I really like the the ending of this one of like with the graphics, like mm-hmm. how um, well the graphics were, were great for any like anytime they showed a new city, it was in like the the eight bit Tetrisy right. looking uh, graphics, and then they did the same thing with the chase scene at the end. And I was yeah, like, this I was that. really cool and really 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 well done." Um, as the cars, you know, are going through the the chase sequence, every time they would hit something, you get like a flash of eight bit. Yeah, and then it would they would keep going. It was it was very very cool. Um, one little thing about some of the people involved here: Robert and Kevin Maxwell. So Kevin's sister and Robert's daughter is Jasane Maxwell, who was Jeffrey Epstein's mm. partner and all that. So. That family's I knew still... I knew these people sounded familiar. Some of them did. Sounds like that. Hmm. Yeah, that that family's still in into some shady stuff. So, um, but, it, but it was fun. I I like this. Like it it dealt with video games and it did like a documentary esque uh, true story event, which I enjoy. And I'm sure you know some things are 
embellished for dramatic effect and things like that. But then they showed at the end of, you know, hey, this is what happened after the ending of the movie. This is who owns the Tetris rights now and who owns the Tetris company and still is making a lot of money off of it. Because Tetris yeah. Effect is, like, I guess, the newest big thing that came out. And then during the pandemic, Tetris 100 came out. And that was where you played on the Switch against people. And like you would play people to knock them out. And it was like a Battle Royale style. And then two people yeah. left at the end. And then only one winner. And Tetris Effect, if it's on Game Pass, that's a very, very good game. Um, especially to put some headphones in and just play Tetris. One thing that I thought was really cool is you get to see how the original looked right wasn't that cool didn't even have, didn't even have a graphics card so uh -oh. he was having to use like parentheses and brackets i thought that was awesome and like they even when uh hank went over to to talk to alexi about it and they just two game developers making the game better i thought that was really really well done and the way that they portrayed that it was really cool um yeah. what score you got for this one chris i gave it a uh I think I gave this one a four out of five. It's exactly yeah. the same one I got. Pretty high. Um, good performances. Um, and now I will say this: they don't. It's not all in English because mm -hmm. they are in, in Moscow a lot. They they do have a lot of Russian. Other side, Japanese. Yeah, but letterbox a ton of Russian in this. So basically. A lot of subtitles. So yeah. if you're someone that doesn't like reading subtitles, I, well, you're wrong. You're, okay, I'm a big subtitle watcher. <laughs> I guess you're. I guess you're out of luck if that's the case. But uh, it's a really good movie with really great performances. I thought it was written well. It flowed. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. The only problem um, I had with it was uh, the two Russian gun guys in the KGB looked similar a whole mm -hmm. lot. So it took me a minute to discern the two. But then the the one girl who played the translator, that was a nice twist with her. Yeah. And then when she kissed him, I was like, oh, I know where that what's where we're going with this one. And yeah. sure enough, they did, but they didn't, wasn't like a big focal point. So I was like, okay. Well, oh, it was uh, predictable, but not that predictable. Right. So. Yeah, it was, um, they, they also did a, I don't, I'm assuming that they maybe, no, I don't think they could have filmed this in Russia. But it had to be somewhere in Eastern Europe because it had that look. Yeah. Uh, the infrastructure and buildings and everything. But it, it was just... One thing about it was getting to see in action how things were done at that time where no one in the USSR had rights. Right. Everything that you did was for the good of the country. Even if you didn't work for a, you know, outright work for a government uh, institution. So, even though this guy created the game, the Russians wanted the cut of the money for mm -hmm. the government. And it's like, wait a minute, he created it. Y'all right. didn't have anything to do with it, but... Communistic Party. Yep, that's how it works over there. So or it did. looks like... Probably still does now again. It, yeah, it, it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, the Tetris crew traveled to Scotland. They also filmed in Edinburgh, Ayrshire, Glasgow, and Aberdeen. So. Oh. Okay, so they were in the UK the whole yeah. time. So, you know, there you go. Not in Russia. Which, you Not know, granted the time that we're going through right now, it doesn't surprise me. So. Not in Eastern Europe either, though, right. which is a... Because it did... It, they did a good job making it pass for, for Russia. Um, I would be okay if this is on our Oscars list. Yeah. Because I, I, I feel like it was great. We'll see, though. i tell you what, though. The, the other thing that got me is when they told him, they, they told Hank that it's illegal to have foreigners in your apartment. Mm -hmm. like, really? That's, I, it was a time, man. That was... And everything went... Had to go through the government for the money and stuff like that. And I'm like, dude, this... Guy is making one of the best games known to man, and he doesn't even know about it. Not yeah. getting paid for it, not doing anything. He lived in the same apartment his parents and their parents' parents lived in, and I'm like, oh, that's something crazy to think about. Yeah. So. Cool. Well, uh, so four stars from each of us. 
Um, next week, we're going to watch Amsterdam, which is on Max. So, that one looks good. It's got a good cast. Yeah, it's got a lot of good people in it. Margot Robbie, Taylor Swift. Uh, I'm forgetting a lot of the other guys and people in it. A lot of people. So, <laughs> Anna Taylor-Joy. You good? Yeah, I just yeah, I'll stop on okay. that one. <laughs> Shazam! Fury of the Gods releases on Max May twenty third, which is weird because that's the same day releases on uh, physical. That's when my yeah. steelbook comes in, so not really yeah. weird, but abnormal. Extraction two will have a fourteen minute one take action sequence. We we you know how much we talked about that first one, and yeah. I'm wondering if if it's the uh, the prison scene. It's, it's, that, that would make would be awesome. Sense. Yeah. And finally, in movie news, this comes from IGN's Adam Bankhurst. Uh, Scarlett Johansson says she's done playing Black Widow. Gwyneth Paltrow may return to the MCU. Um, Scarlett Johansson has said she's done playing Black Widow, but Gwyneth Paltrow isn't quite ready to state her chapters closed as Pepper Potts in the MCU. As reported by Variety. Johansson was a guest on Paltrow's The Goop podcast, so and the two talked about their the two talked about their time in the MCU and the potential future of their characters. While Pepper Potts is still out in the world after we saw her during the events of Avengers Endgame, Black Widow finally got her prequel movie after sacrificing herself to save everything in Endgame. Obviously, especially with all the multiverse shenanigans going on in the MCU, some version of Black Widow popping up in a future movie or TV show wouldn't be out of the question. Despite that, and perhaps because of some of the baggage with her lawsuit against Disney, she has no interest in being a part of this universe again. Um, as she said, I'm done. Chapter's over. I did all that I had to do. Also, coming back and playing a character again and again over a decade of time is such a unique experience. Johansson then asked Paltrow if she was done with the MCU, and she wasn't ready to 100% confirm it one way or another. I think so. I mean, I didn't die, so they can always ask me, Paltrow <laughs> said. I think you may come back at some point, Johansson replied. Really? Paltrow said. A 64-year-old Pepper Potts? How great. 100% that's happening, Johansson concluded. I can see it. They're never going to let you go. Break out that wig, baby. Johansson and Paltrow also addressed the alleged feud the pair had on the set of Iron Man 2 and denied anything of the sort went on. Uh, is that a rumor, Johansson asked. You were so nice to me on that movie. I was so petrified. You were so nice to me. You could have been awful. I was so out of my comfort zone on that movie. I'd never done anything like that before. Plus, you had established such deep friendships. Paltrow added the entire Iron Man cast was so psyched Johansson was there and that she was so happy to have another woman around. Hmm. So, I didn't. I remember vaguely remember that happening, or that yeah. being a thing, but forgot about the lawsuit though. <laughs> Black Widow. Forgot about I mean, that, but you know, it was a justified lawsuit. Yes. Though. So it was not. <laughs> uh, releases this week. There is but one on Disney Plus, which I'm boycotting because they canceled National Treasure. <laughs> At least for a couple April. months. Yeah, April 28th, Peter Pan and Wednesday, or Wendy. It's the live action, uh, live action, Peter Pan and Wendy. That, that, that would be a great crossover. I would Peter watch Pan that. Wednesday Adams. That'd be a really good one, actually. <laughs> All right, Chris, video games. Have you been playing anything fun this week other than, you know, MLB The Show with the Pirates doing a seven straight wins this week? Um, yes, that is right. It's two straight sweeps in a row. So, in case you're wondering how the Pirates cruise. I know. And we are killing it. We're 15 and 7, 17 and 5, something like that. So, sent my no, buddy uh, a broom this week and on Amazon. <laughs> so, it's supposed to be up tomorrow. <laughs> I just, I just, uh, I've been playing the normal stuff with overtime and everything. Mm -hmm. I, you know. I've been. Uh, I know I said last week there's gonna be a lot I was gonna be playing, 
like Horizon DLC and stuff like that. I haven't even touched Horizon DLC, although everything I've seen is great and it's phenomenal. Lance Riddick's in it, um, his character is Silas. Um, but I played Dead Island 2 today for the first time, so I maybe two or three hours into it. If you like the first game, you're going to like the second game. There's nothing really more else to to say about this one. Yes, it's 11 years, uh, 12 years after that game. But if you like that one, you like this one, it's good. It's just a zombie slayer up kind of scenario. Uh, and then Kingdom Hearts, we are one world away from being done with the first one. So and Stella is absolutely loving it. But we've rescued all the princesses. So... He's going to be sad when it's over. No, I've got 23 more games to go through. So, <laughs> Still wondering on how, what uh, what way we should go through it. Should we just go straight to two uh, and then to three? Or should we go through the, like the four or five games in between two and three? I haven't really decided yet. So we will see. I know two, I remember most of it. One, I don't remember at all. So this is all a bunch of new fun memories for me. But it also came out in 2002. And I was in fourth grade when I played it last. So we will see. Um, only other news story here. Suicide, Squ- uh, Suicide Squad killed the Justice League has been delayed to February 2nd, 2024. Chris, this was supposed what? to come out at the end of May. <laughs> so I'm going wow. to Polygon.com by Nicole Carpenter for the news. Rockstar Studios said to lose Suicide Squad. Uh, it's follow-up to Batman Arkham franchise to February 2nd, 2024. The developer announced on, twinder, on Twitter, we've made the tough but necessary decision to take the time we need to work on the game to game to the best quality experience for players. In March, Bloomberg reported that Suicide Squad Killed the Justice League will be delayed but still be released in 2023. Rocksteady Studios expected the game's launch on May 26th after an earlier delay that pushed Kill the Justice League from its planned 2022 window. Bloomberg's report came after Rocksteady previewed Kill the Justice League during a State of Play presentation in February that did not impress a lot of people. The February event made Kill the Justice League look like a Destiny 2 or Anthem impression. Co-op missions with an emphasis on loot and gear scores upgrade your chosen killers. Eager players bristled at the live service game mechanics and the cosmetics-only battle pass, a clear deviation from the previous Arkham games. So, a lot of people are saying... A lot of people that don't know how game development works are saying, oh, they're, they're transitioning hard from games as a service. Um, a lot of people are saying, no, that because of, that's the game's fundamental code, that t- it's going to take longer than a year to fix. So it's, but what are they fixing then? This game was supposed right. to launch next month and they delayed it a year on top of already delaying it like two years. So I'm very curious <laughs> to see uh, what they're doing. I don't know if I'm, I want it. Or not for everything that I've seen, I'm like, ah, that's that's like Gotham Knights the game. I'm like, I don't, I'm not being real pulled into this right now. And I love yeah. games as a service. Destiny is my favorite game, and the, these don't have me hooked. So I'm very curious to see what they're doing here. Yeah, I I always get nervous when they delay games. You know, we saw this with some other titles that were really hyped up mm-hmm. in the past, and and they're still not doing well. Looking at you, Cyberpunk. Halo. Uh, Halo. <laughs> it's always... I mean, it does happen that they delay games and they get it right. Right. But they've had some... Not. It's not all the same studio, but they've had some big swings and misses in the industry. Um, and, that's, and that's rough. It's, unfortunately, it's very rough. Um, but... Something that's coming up this week that I can't wait, Chris. Notable new releases. Mm-hmm. Star Wars Jedi Survivor on your next-gen consoles and PC, April 28th. The first game, Chef's Kiss. Absolutely loved it. And from what I understand, the problems that I had, like fast travel, things like that, they're fixing, and they have fixed for this one. There's like a um, base builder kind of a mechanic in here which i love doing that kind of stuff bringing people back to your base building it up to make it the best thing in there you know the industry well not the industry but stuff like that but i'm curious to see what secrets and easter eggs we've got to discover the first game was a lot of fun cal kestis with cameron monahan is really fun and he's very devoted to this character so i'm really excited 
Um, I've already got it pre-ordered, which I don't, I don't pre-order games anymore. So that's kind of weird because I do everything digital. So not really any need to pre-order, especially with like, this is another gripe I have. When you pre-order anything through Amazon, it should come out. You should get it that day. Like that needs to be delivered that day. Not a week after I looked at Amazon. I was like, okay, I want, I might, I'm going to do a physical copy of this one. And I looked and I was like, nope. And then I also, uh, said a week later, May 4th. I was like, okay, I see what you're trying to do here, but this comes out on the 28th. Um, may, may the force be with you as well as going with there. But I looked at GameStop to get delivered. It would take two days to get here. And I don't really like the GameStop in my city. Um, and I don't want to travel. So I'm just like, eh, forget it. I'll do digital and go from there. And that's what I did. Evil Dead, the game, game of the year edition for everything. April 26th, Monster Hunter, Monster Hunter Rise DLC Sunbreak, April 28th. But ladies and gentlemen, that has been your catch-up episode of the Nerdwide Podcast. We've got three episodes to talk about next week. We're going right back into everything. Superman and Lois, Gotham Knights, and Titans Pin Ultimate episode for the, the series. I'm still not okay with thinking about that. Um, it is next week, so make sure you are subscribed to all of our podcasting services, YouTube, whatever you watch this on or listen to this on. Make sure you are doing that. Don't forget to share on all your favorite social media platforms and forget to rate and review this podcast on whatever podcasting service you use. That helps us out a lot, gets us uh, featured on certain pages, uh, more discoverability that way. And of course, if you're sharing on social media, that's also very helpful because that shares with your friends, your family, your coworkers, all those kinds of people. That's what we're doing here. That's what we're up to. So if you know anybody that's into this nerdy nonsense that we do, make sure you're telling them about us. Uh, social media, you can follow the NerdWide account on Twitter at nerd underscore wide. You can follow me personally on there at Ty underscore Haynes. A lot of Memphis Grizzlies talk on there. So it's playoff season, so that's what's going on so far. Uh, and you can follow Chris at MavTN7 on Twitter, on Facebook. If you go to search NerdWide, NerdWide.com, NerdWide Podcast, always the first thing that pops up there. Make sure you're liking us on there, uh, on social media, on Twitter and Facebook. That's where you get our first inkling of anything happens. There's a delay in the episodes, uh, things like that. We'll post those there. But ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening and or watching this week's episode of the NerdWide Podcast. But next week's going to be fun. And if anything, if that Titans episode showed anything, it's going to be even bigger next week. We'll see you then. Thank you so much for watching and listening. Later, guys.